Hello and welcome to Movie Fixers, the podcast where we don't just critique movies, but talk about how they could be, oh, I don't know, just a little bit better. I'm your host, Tony, and with me as always is the most apocalyptic, most likely to drive you insane just by the sight of his beauty, and most definitely the leader of the blind leading the blind. <laughs> me, Matt. I, I, You caught me off guard this time. I, I, for some reason, wasn't expecting you to have a clever one in in store for this movie. So thanks for that introduction, Tom. I might have rehearsed it a couple times. I'm glad it made you happy. I like to think you were rehearsing it like in the mirror after you took your shower and you're just like trying to get your tone just right. I'm always rehearsing my movie fixer voice in the shower. <laughs> I actually believe that sentence. <laughs> so Matt, we're here to fix another movie, but unlike before, we didn't come in with this one already pre-set up. We sent out our, I guess she's our property scout now, isn't she? Yeah, we hired Jess for our team, our movie fixers team, a little while back to just kind of summarize new properties, and she's been she's been kind of our new scout. We did we did get a lot of requests for this new property, uh, but she she did the scouting for us on this, and I'm excited about it. All right, so I think without further ado, let's turn things over to Jess Aducci to introduce what movie we'll be fixing today. Hey guys, I've brought you a hot property that people just can't seem to shut up about, or at least stop memeing. Today, we'll be looking at Bird Box, brought to us by the development moguls of the Netflix community. So, Sandra Bullock plays Mallory. Um, She's pregnant, she has trouble connecting to people and forming lasting, meaningful relationships, and honestly, she doesn't even really want to be pregnant. A rash of mass suicides sweeps the world, and Mallory finds herself in the middle of some sort of myth-induced apocalypse, where there's something that if you look at it, you experience your worst nightmare, or saddest moment, or something that makes you immediately have to kill yourself. So, through a series of back-and-forth time jumps, we experience apocalyptic survival living with lots of blindfolds and suicides, and a variety of people picked from a trope catalog to represent different views of how to act and be relational during an apocalypse. For instance, John Malkovich's character, uh, his name in the credits, might as well be asshole. There's, There's the, but I just gotta do the nice thing even though it's incredibly stupid guy named Tom. And another pregnant person who tries desperately to bond with Mallory only to be utterly shut down cold. At least for a few scenes. In flashback, we learn you can't use the disconnect of video feeds to see the creatures. Rest in peace, B.D. Wong. I love you. There are crazy people, like literally mentally disturbed, um, who really enjoy looking at the creature and can do so without killing themselves. Uh, Charlie, man, I am going to miss you so much. Thank you for, for helping us find out that little piece of information. There are actually insane people who can act sane, And, oh, okay, okay, well, there goes the rest of the people living in the house. Um, He just went around and killed everybody, including the other pregnant lady who's just given birth. So now Mallory and Tom have two kids to raise on their own for the next five years. The more present-day timeline follows Mallory with the two kids as they try to get to some safe haven down a river blindfolded. The kids, called boy and girl, are surprisingly obedient for five-year-olds, even with basically Sarah Connor for a mother, though it's established the girl has a tendency to wander. The movie reaches its pitch tension when the creatures we never see copy the voices of both the alive and the dead, 
to try and trick people to take off their blindfolds, in particular, the kids. Mallory realizes just how much she's really come to love her kids and how she's maybe had a harsh attitude with them through the whole apocalypse thing. And then they make it to their destination as the creature whispers a lot at them and they're barely saved by a school for the blind with loads of blind people and the few survivors who have made it there. So guys, this is, I mean, this is a hot property right now. It's, it's, it's hotly debated. Um, a few things about it. Like I said, people cannot stop memeing this thing. They, they're taking stills, just sort of making fun of it like crazy or using it to, you know, make a lot of jokes. Some of them are hilarious. I mean, I'm rolling just, just reading Twitter. So it's got a quality to it that, that has attracted people's attention. That's for sure. And it, it sort of comes off it's, it's like a house in a development where a lot of houses have come from the exact same blueprints. You see that a lot of, in suburbia. You know, every other house is literally the exact same house. They, they, they had two sets of blueprints and they just sort of rebuilt that house a billion times over, painted it a little, a little bit of different color, you know, did something, you know, slightly different with each one to, to try to make it look different. Sometimes they can be a little cheap in how they're made. They're very samey. You know, if you, if you, know the layout of your own house, then you know the layout of your neighbor's house. But they're, I mean, they're all livable, you know, nonetheless. <laughs> Actually, on on Twitter, someone said something about how Netflix uses its algorithms, you know, to, to get this property in front of people and how the property itself was basically built with an algorithm. And I can kind of see what they're saying. You know, it's a little tropey and a little samey. So what can you do? You know, here, here's, here's a, a fixed proposal. You know what, what, what can you do to make, make a house, make this property a little more unique, you know, stand out a little bit more in the field of copycat suburbia. And, you know, I've, I've sort of made it through my summary with a little tongue in cheek, obviously. And when you talk about the plot, it's, it's a little hard not to sometimes, but there is something I really like about this property. And that's the character arc and the discussion of the theme. It's all about relationships during the apocalypse. And I liked how Sandra Bullock, who can actually seem a bit harsh in her dramatic roles, um, really used that harshness and then softened with some appropriate, you know, thematic push and pull. I've sort of lived this relational push and pull debate. I'm not a kid person, but I have two kids that I love, but I often don't know what to do with them. And I don't, you know, you worry about connecting with kids and all that stuff. Um, I'm, I'm very connected with the thematic debate. So I would love to see that theme, you know, continued throughout the property, even if you massively gut everything else. I think people could really enjoy that you know, about this property with some cosmetics changes, let's say, to to the property. You know, overall, people are just sort of eh, liking it. They're not like rabid about liking it or anything, but they're like, yeah, you know, that was pretty good. Or they're, or they're absolutely hating it. They are bashing it and picking it to death. I would love to see you guys give this property a facelift and a uniqueness that'll really grab someone's attention without completely destroying the foundation of the film. I, I look forward to hearing what you guys do with this with this thing and you know what you what you turn bird box into. And uh seriously, check out some of the memes online. They're insane and hilarious and perfect for someone who's who's really punny like Tony. Thanks, guys. All right. Wow. That was, this is going to be interesting. I think this is, this is a good find. I love things in the Netflix world, uh, the streaming properties. 
Oh yeah, me too. And this is this is super recent. They, we've done another Netflix property before. We did Cloverfield Paradox. Right. By the time we did it, the movie had been out for quite a while. So this is this will be definitely our most recent movie I think we've we've ever done. And Cloverfield Paradox, I think, especially, f- I think for both of us, we didn't really care for it by the end. Like, it started out good but fell flat. Matt, what did you think about Bird Box? I, I, I personally got a few recommendations to tackle Bird Box on this episode of Movie Fixers. We did put a call out in our last episode for people to say what they wanted us to do, and we, we did get feedback. So thank you, everybody, for that. Seriously, thank you. I I had already heard of Bird Box. I had already seen quite a bit of uh, about it online because it, it, it's been kind of trendy since it came out. It stars Sandra Bullock, uh, who's a big, big star. And it's kind of that perfect sweet spot of you've got a celebrity in it. It's kind of a non-traditional, like, high-profile celebrity movie. It's like a thriller. It's got a lot of mystery around it. And it's it's been very polarizing, I think, for viewers. There A lot of people think it's amazing. Quite a few people are really unimpressed with it so i went in with i don't know i with really no expectations just excited to see what this movie was that people were all talking about like i remember over christmas a lot of like family members were talking about this movie i'm like y'all don't ever watch movies this is crazy that you've seen this movie so i all that is to say i ended up enjoying the movie quite a bit yeah i went in kind of thinking like it might be bad since some since people were recommending it for movie fixers i'm like all right well what are the problems going to be with this movie and it grabbed my attention really early and held my attention for the whole thing uh there there are a few bits that i wasn't super impressed with but overall it had me it had me the whole movie and I liked the cast. I liked the storytelling structure quite a bit. That's probably my favorite part of the movie. But yeah, I liked it. What about you? What did you think about it? This type of movie is not typically my, my bag, the suspense movie, this this category. But I have to say, going in, watching this movie, I don't regret it. I, I'd say I even enjoyed it for the most part. And that was that was a really pleasant surprise because I remember seeing the trailer, Netflix, does that thing where you scroll over the thumbnail and it starts playing the trailer and I thought, all right, I'll see this through. I was talking to Jessa Ducci about how, I don't know what it is, but I've always sort of got an aversion to Sandra Bullock, which is really weird because Sandra Bullock's a really good actress and there are very few things she's been in that I'm just, I just did not like at all. Like there are some things that I'm just not interested in, but I think that was more like the subject matter. But you see Mm -hmm. her and Jessa even touched on this. She has like a very severe seriousness and that does kind of turn me off. Uh, just just at just at the onset but no i think jess was right this was a necessary seriousness this was a good performance uh, as always from sandra bullock but but like also just well cast uh, for her in this one and so yeah i enjoyed the movie i'm i'm actually interested you were saying that this has been sort of a controversial one people have had negative opinions have you heard what some of the negative opinions are about this movie Absolutely. And I think this is a really good point to reiterate that, especially with this movie being as recent as it is, from here forward is going to be pretty spoiler heavy. So if you haven't seen Bird Box and you want to watch it without anything being spoiled for you, pause our podcast right now. Go check it out. It's on Netflix. It's only on Netflix. It's a Netflix original. And then come back later and see what we have to say about it. I'll get I'll I'll give you a second. To pause. <laughs> Good safety warning there, Matt. Pause. Spoilers ahead. Put on your hard hats, everybody. We're getting into spoilers. <laughs> exactly. This is safety. This is safety gear territory now. 
So the main complaint that I've heard from a lot of people is that the movie doesn't give you enough answers. That you never see the the creature creatures in question. That you're never given... I mean, you're given an explanation at the beginning of the film from one of the characters. But it's it's really more like theoretical it's not like a definitive answer as to what they are where they're from what they're even like if they have a goal or if they're just pure chaos like there's a lot of there's a lot of unanswered in this movie and i can understand how that would be very frustrating for quite a few people i personally did not find that frustrating i kind of liked that you never saw the creature i kind of liked the mystery in fact i i almost one of my gripes in this movie is that I didn't like the sort of half-assed hypothetical explanation we were given. I would have rather it either have not been there at all or come into the movie much later in the movie. But those are the big gripes that I've heard from people. I, th- I guess I see that opinion. I have a few contradictions to that, but that'll actually just kind of fall into what I think was good about this movie. So is there anything else we want to say about the just sort of the public opinion of this movie before we go into what we liked about it? I mean, all I really want to say is I think Netflix is still giving us their A-game right now. Whether you love or hate this movie, you got to admit that they are still in, 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 a, in, a, in a movie world, movie culture, where everything is theatrical release that matters. And the water cooler movies are always the big, super high budget films that get 14 week engagements in your local cineplex. I gotta say, Netflix crafted something here and did just the right amount of advertising to make it noteworthy. I do. I know we don't like we 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 talk about numbers on this show sometimes, and sometimes they mean things, and sometimes they don't. Netflix did talk about how in the first weekend that they posted this to their uh, streaming service, they had I want to say it was like 270 million views in one weekend i'm probably getting that number wrong but it's something like it's a very large number of views for a streaming movie it did get a short theatrical run because i I think netflix is wanting to qualify more of its original films for award shows all of its buzz right now is is around its meme worthiness (laughs) you know yeah i want to i want to build on what you just said digger because you really hit the nail on the head there and i just want to say that props to netflix for taking chances and mm-hmm. trying to create new properties. I know this style of movie isn't new. I know it's based off a novel. But in a Hollywood culture world where everything is part of a franchise or a sequel or a prequel or a reboot that we've seen over and over and over again, there are so few movies that they'll make and give any real attention to that are at least trying to be their own thing. And mm-hmm. and that's what I think, you know, Bird Box falls into a genre of movie, but it's not just, oh, it's that movie, they've redone it, you know, from the 80s. It, or it's, it's, oh, it's, yeah, this thing that they've got a franchise. And that's not to say all of those things are bad, but that's just all we're getting right now, because Hollywood is playing it safe and going for the safe money. And Netflix has the, you know, the ability to be brave and to venture. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's really going to put streaming on the map. And I just I want to give them a thumbs up, because even if I didn't like this movie, which I did, this was its own thing. It was unique and they gave it a lot of attention. And I think I don't have the exact numbers, but I read that within the first week, the entire one third of their membership base had watched this movie. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a that's a lot of people because Netflix has pretty much everybody subscribed to it, and that's with people sharing the accounts. Like they don't even care. That's amazing. Well, 
enough <laughs> enough heralding Netflix for how amazing they are. Let's uh let's get into the this movie. <laughs> but ma- bad if we don't herald Netflix, how are we going to get movie fixers on one of their streaming shows? Valid point. Valid point. All right, sorry. Let's go ahead and talk about what we liked about this movie. Matt, t- take us home here. What what would you love? What did you enjoy? Okay, I didn't take a lot of notes about this because I I this movie really did grab my attention from the beginning. And I just kind of bought in and I I didn't find myself, as we do with so many of these movies that we fix, taking copious amounts of notes about this moment or this character decision or, you know, even costume choices. Like, I just was fully invested and sitting up straight and watching this movie. And I think that's that's easily the 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 nicest thing i can say about it is that it it really grabs your attention i i attribute a lot of that to its storytelling structure the movie starts with with sandra bullock's character with two children in a boat on the river or actually i think it starts with them getting in the boat and getting on the river but anyway the point is it starts with them at that stage of the story and we know there there's immediate tension we know that they're 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 all blindfolded and they're they're running from something clearly and there's a sense of like urgency and panic and it really builds you up really nice and then we cut back to does it say five years or actually i don't think it 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 tells us right away. it says five years later as soon as we cut back you're correct Uh, five years earlier Pardon me. Yes, five years earlier. Right. Okay. Yeah. So it's five years earlier, and we we see Sandra Bullock, and we find out that her sister is Sarah Paulson. Quick note: when I saw the trailer for this movie, I thought Sarah Paulson was like her wife, and I was so excited for this like cool horror thriller with a like a lesbian couple at the helm. And I was <laughs> I was a little unreasonably disappointed to find out they were just sisters. Oh no! <laughs> well, because in the trailer you see them like at the doctor's office getting the ultrasound of Sandra Bullock's pregnant, and I was like, oh how cute! I, and Sarah Paulson is a lesbian, mm-hmm. so it wasn't completely outlandish that she'd be playing the role. Anyways, I'm diverting. My point is the structure of kind of jumping back and forth in time, where there's this whole river journey with her and the, these two kids. And then kind of jumping back and forth and and seeing how she got to that point on the river and why she's on the river and why things are the way they are, I think is is really the the best part of the movie is that structure. Absolutely. Nail on the head on that one for sure. I, I put in there that the first 10 minutes, the pacing of the first 10 minutes between seeing the the plot the rules that are established, the backstory that we're given on everybody, and just the investment that we make into the characters is so well done. It's so efficient. Mm-hmm. I was just like, bravo. Like, no I, notes. Yeah, there you go. Efficient is is such a good word because I remember thinking, because, you know, we, we have the river scene, we cut back, there's a little bit of, 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 of sister drama for just a second about, like, have you talked to mom or something like that. And, but within, like, 60 seconds of that conversation there's already the have you looked at the news and seen what's happening and you know there's the the she's watching the news for a second and you kind of get the first establishing and then it's like okay well we've we've set we've we've planted these seeds as to what's going on and then they go to the doctor's office and they have their conversation about like is she really ready to raise a baby by herself any of those things so you get that great little bit of character building but we don't drag it on it just it happens it's effective it gets the job done we know exactly what headspace Sandra Bullock's character is in regarding this pregnancy and then they leave the hospital and chaos happens 
And I remember looking at my watch and being like, holy shit, like we're getting into this movie. We're not dragging this out. And this is no Cloverfield paradox. No Cloverfield paradox. (laughs) It's the opposite. I mean, and that's why I think it's so funny that people complained about not getting enough answers. I mean, I get the actual complaint, obviously, but I think this movie did such a good job of just continuing to deliver the next thing without lingering on anything for far too long, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. And always trickling in new information, too. There was Mm -hmm. one of the uh, simple examples I have of something I liked about the uh, in this movie was at one point Sandra Bullock's character Mallory has a shotgun and she's got it trained on somebody. And the asshole character played by John Malkovich makes a comment like like she even knows how to use it. And show don't tell. She then takes the shotgun and begins to procedurally unload it. Which, first of all, I like that because if you're going to show firearm proficiency, someone who knows how to just unload a shotgun, a loaded shotgun completely. Quickly and efficiently. Yeah, yeah. quickly and efficiently knows how to use a shotgun versus, you know, she just fired it into the ceiling. It's like, okay, well, literally anybody could have done that. So now we know that she's reckless with the shotgun. (laughs) Yeah, right. And the fact that they just showed that and it was done. And then later we get why she's efficient with it. Like, they didn't just, they show you something and then they trickle information. Well, that's also a great character moment for her. Mm -hmm. Because it showed that, that she wasn't here for just... Like you said, like shooting the gun into the ceiling or shooting every person that comes into the door. Not only does she unload the gun to show her proficiency, but to show where her character stood with that, too. Yes. And and that's just one of the, the many things, I think, they did where they, they show, they don't tell, and they don't just exposition you either. I think in the beginning, of course, you get exposition. You get the hurt reading the riot act to the two children about how Mm -hmm. this is what you're going to do do not look under any circumstances and you get the the news broadcast or the radio broadcast about the threat and Mm -hmm. and it's at the very beginning of the movie and it's a little cliche but at the same time you got to get this information out and once they do that i think everything else kind of comes at a steady pace and i like Mm -hmm. that yeah i think you're really right about how this movie does a lot of great. We, we've talked about this on the podcast many times because this is something they drill into you in all kinds of filmmaking classes and courses and whatnot is the, the concept of show don't tell, which there's an irony in a movie with a bunch of people with blindfolds on show not tell. But this movie does do it well. It doesn't always do it. And you can't really always do it because... I mean, then you've got a lot of really silent, confusing movies. Right. But this movie does do a really great job of showing you what they need to show you instead of just like exposition, exposition, exposition. Not that there, yeah, like you said, not that there isn't some of that and it couldn't have been better, but I, I, I just, I, I got to give it props where props are due. That was, that was well done. So was there anything else that you, uh, you liked about this? I've got a couple of things I could mention. Yeah, again, most, I, I, I didn't really make a lot of notes about specific things because I was just enjoying the movie too much, to be honest. Um, I, I really liked a lot of the casting choices. I mean, I know uh, John Malkovich almost seems like too obvious of a choice to play the asshole at this point because he's just so damn good at it. But I thought he did a great job in the role. And I, I liked that all of the characters, for the most part, were were dynamic characters that weren't just one note. Because, like, he was such an asshole, but he was more than that as well. You know, Sandra Bullock's character is a, a hard-ass antisocial, but she was more than that as well. And, you know, we it's it's like we shouldn't be giving gold stickers for this because that's just how you should write movies. But at the same time, there's so many movies that have terrible character development that you, you got to give the gold stickers where they're due, right? 
Absolutely. That said, I think, and I think you've really, you've, you've touched on everything. There's one more thing I want to talk about, and it's people, it's, it's the thing that a lot of people, you said, were, were complaining about, that we didn't get enough information about what was going on about the event. And I would argue we got just enough information for this story, for these characters. Mm-hmm. If we had been given more, if it had been given more of a purpose, more clarity, I think... I would have been sucked out of the movie. And this happens to me a lot, part of why I can't get into movies like this. Eventually, whoever, whatever the, the in this case, the, the do we even have a name for it? The thing that you're not supposed to look at. They never give a name for it. Which was also kind of cool. Like, it's just the threat is just that. It's a threat. And we know it's mm-hmm. a threat. But these are people trapped in a house. These are people trying to just survive this event. And we don't – they're not going to figure out what it is and why it's happening and how to stop it. That's a different movie. That could be another movie happening at the same time. Man, that's such a really good point. And I think this is where, like, genre matters – because this movie wasn't a horror movie. It wasn't a sci-fi movie. It was it was really a drama that had like a supernatural element to it. And the thing is, it was never important what that supernatural element was. It didn't even need to be named. It was just the inciting thing that drove the drama in this. And a lot of movies have the problem, this one did not, but a lot of movies have the problem where they, they create this paranormal or this supernatural element or this super scientific element and what happens is is they eventually try to explain it but they're not prepared to do that and the movie's not really prepared to go in that direction so they either spend not enough time and it's confusing or they spend too much time and it's distracting and unless you're like the kind of person who wants to create that supernatural world where you do get into the sci-fi and fantasy of it Mm-hmm. then if you're not willing to commit that far don't even try this is it th- these are this thread is no different than the walking dead zombie thread like whatever you think of that show the the zombies are just a threat why they happen how they work the more you try to get in the weeds of that the more it ruins the point of what the show is trying to do Exactly. And, you know, I I noticed right away that this is a variation on a zombie movie. There were a lot of similarities to the movie I Am Legend, I noticed. But the thing is, like, that's fine. It's an apocalypse movie. It's surviving after the fall of civilization. And Mm -hmm. that, yeah, that's, that's a thing. I mean, one of my favorite things in movies like that is whenever they find, like, the stockpile so in this one where they go to the grocery store and they just start stocking up. And I'm like, this mm-hmm. is always like sort of like I, I have a a fantasy where I want to do that. Like where you're you're in society, it's collapsed. You find that just cache of all sorts of goodies and you just like binge all of a sudden and be like, yay. Of course, everyone knows that's right before everything's about to go bad is when you find those things. Well, and I think that's part of the appeal, like you said, of The Walking Dead. People don't, I don't, I don't think that show is as popular as it is because of the zombies, because it's not, it, it's a survival show before it's really even a zombie show. And those are the elements that I think get keep people watching those sorts of things is their struggle for survival. It's like you said, the threat's almost like not even important. It's just the threat. It's the thing that's causing them to have to survive. Exactly. And I, I think Bird Box understands fully that that is the kind of movie that it's making. Speaking of understanding, one of the last things I want to say that I think was done right with this movie. It goes back to, again, that pacing and giving us just enough information. At the end, she makes it to this sort of sanctuary that 
is what the present day story is all about. And when mm-hmm. we get to the sanctuary, we understand what it is, why it works as a sanctuary, and that now they're going to start a life here. And then we're done. That's all we needed. We didn't need more. We didn't need to see them yeah. like working in. Like we, because this is a movie and not a series, we can infer the rest. Like we got all the information we needed. We got a little bit of peace. And then it was like, mm-hmm. and, and you guys are done. This journey is over. I think that it's funny that I think that's the other issue that people have with this movie. I haven't read this one as much as the other, but I mean, it goes, it's the same token. It's that whole, like wanting more understanding. I think people wanted like an, a real epilogue to the movie where it's like a year later and the kids are older Mm. and she's doing whatever she's doing. And they're having a conversation about what it actually was. And, you know, how it's so crazy to think that that was a year ago. Like, I think that's what people wanted out of the end of this movie. And the thing is, I don't think it would have ruined the movie had they done it. I just, like you, I don't think it was necessary at all. I think they we got to the resolution of the, the present day story, the river story, and that was the story. It was a survival story, and they survived. Mm-hmm. And I think people say they want these things, and this may sound bad, but people don't always know what they want. They want to know, but the truth is, is what they really want is to be able to come up with answers. And, then, and that's that's what they want, and they're doing that. They're going to make their own theories. They're going to make their own assumptions. We always want our assumptions like confirmed these days, and to the point where we can't watch a trailer without you know trying to figure out the whole movie before it comes out it's madness but the truth is is you don't want those things just as much as you don't want to see the threat i thought it was brilliant that we never really saw the threat in its full form it would have especially because the whole thing was is the very side of it drives you mad and the fact that we're an audience not driven banned by it it would have completely castrated it and that was that was very smart even though people wanted to see it it's like no you don't it's funny you say that because I and I don't actually know if you know this or not, so I may be telling you something new. They did release what because they they did film with the creature and like a whole effects team came up with the creature and they've released since what it looks like and explained why they opted to not put it in the movie. And basically it was a sort of weird, like super tall humanoid looking creature with like weird skin and like a baby face. So it was physical. Cause that was the other thing is it never touched anybody. They were, everybody's walking around blind when they're out in the open and it never just like came for them. I always wondered if it was actually physical or if it was like mist. I loved that mystery right. of it. Well, and I think they, they opted not to use the creature because they said it in, in the, once they got it edited in, it just looked really silly and it caused people to laugh more than anything else. So they removed it. And I think it was one of those happy accidents because by removing it, A, our imaginations as humans are always going to be more terrifying than whatever you put on screen. So that unknown. And then I totally agree with you. I didn't, I, the whole movie I was guessing, trying you know, second guessing, like, is it a physical being that's just invisible? Is it like a mist, like in the happening, which by the way, the plots for the happening and bird box are also super identical or, you know, is it a spiritual thing? Is it like supernatural? And I, I, I really liked that the movie never tells you that right it 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 makes it more interesting and more thrilling and more like terrifying 
So one of the last things I want to touch on that Jessa Ducci said was done well is she really likes the journey of Sandra Bullock's character from being a very non-social person that's having a child that eventually ends up raising two children and having Mm -hmm. to, she's all fixated on their survival. She really cares about them, but expressing that and figuring that out is something that Jessa Ducci really related to and said that that was a very interesting connection and not something you see in a lot of characters. And so I just wanted to call out that she really liked that. Yeah, I I, I don't know if that's exactly what she was relating to in the Sandra Bullock character, but, you know, I, I totally agree with her that this character is a character I don't think we've seen a lot of. I think we've seen male versions of this character before, and but and not as well crafted as well. But I I really like Sandra Bullock's character. You know, at the beginning of the movie, she's pregnant. I think it's from, like, an ex-boyfriend who she has nothing to do with because she's kind of got this, like, I don't really need anybody. I can just take care of myself. She's very, like, tough early in Avatar The Last Airbender. Like, I cleaned up my own campsite. Why does any? Why do I need to help anybody else? That sort of mentality. And But, you know, she finds out that she's pregnant and she's considering, like giving the child for adoption and all that. But of course the apocalypse happens and it ruins everything. And she gets stuck in a house full of a bunch of other people and that ruins everything. And all of a sudden she's got to be like a team player. And she's right. That that character journey is really, really interesting and well executed to the point where, you know, the, the two kids that she's raving raising, she just calls girl and boy for five years because again, she's trying to keep that wall up. And keep them at arm's length. But keep them safe at the same time. Yeah. And she's like compartmentalizing that sort of like survivalist headspace with that maternal loving and caring thing. And watching her kind of like tiptoe through that minefield is really... I mean, it's it's, it's the movie. That is the movie. That the movie is about Sandra Bullock's character's character arc and struggle with people and motherhood as told by a crazy supernatural apocalypse. Yeah, which is why it was interesting for me. But, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. well, we've said a lot of great things about this film, but I actually have a few things that I think fell flat and could have been better. What about you? Uh, yeah, same. It's just a few, and it's it's nothing that was, like, deal-breaker territory at all. Uh, it's just things that, you know, as you and I talk about movies all the time, I just would have done differently. I, I don't even really hate any specific thing about this movie. I just, I would have done a couple things differently had this been my baby. Like what? The biggest one, the most glaring one that bothered me a lot. The guy, what's his name? I've said his name a hundred times and I can't remember it now. The, the supermarket guy. Charlie. With the glasses. Charlie. Charlie is this character. He's one of the people in the house at the very beginning when they all get kind of stuck together that really er kind of too early in the movie, I think, decides he's figured out what the phenomenon is. Right. And he rattles off. I wish I could remember any of them, but he rattles off like all these different like boogeymen from different cultures throughout history and the fact that, you know, he's just, you know, he stays up late at night on the internet and goes down the rabbit hole and reads about all these things. And that's why he knows all about them. And it just felt so, like, I didn't even hate the idea of what he was doing because I feel like that it's a real thing that might have happened in this scenario is someone like seeing this phenomenon, having this weird, like niche knowledge about something and immediately equating them together. I just felt like it came too early in the movie and too conveniently. Like, they're still all reeling from it having just happened. And he's all of a sudden like, oh, yeah, man, let me tell you about this cool thing I've read about. 
and it also it, you know it's very conspiracy theorist and and I would have I would have liked it to come from a different character, I think. There's a character that shows up later in the film whose name is Gary, I think. And he's the one that's trying to get in when we're talking about the scene with Sandra Bullock and the shotgun. Right. And he he's come in and he said that he's he's been going door to door and they're the first people that's answered. And he's just been running from the, like the crazy people because he talks about how some people escaped the criminal, uh, some criminally insane escaped an institution. They can see the creatures without killing themselves which is what the creatures cause you to do right and i kind of wish he would have been the 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 mouthpiece for that information and that either it was something he knew from his you know world travels or from his career like you know occupation or he'd even heard it from the you know one of the criminally insane people i just i kind of wish that information had come from him instead because it's later in the movie and it feels like more the time when it's appropriate to start giving us answers as an audience member and not just kind of shoving them in our face right at the very beginning. It needed to be more of a mystery for longer, I think. I want to I want to touch on something you're saying. You're calling the so there are people who can see the threat and not go not immediately feel compelled to kill themselves and you're mm-hmm. calling them the criminally insane people. I think it was touched on that that was a thing, but that's something else I think that kind of fell flat in this movie. It never really clearly explained who were these people that were affected differently because I just assumed that after seeing the threat instead of wanting to kill themselves that's what made them insane it made them insane and they wanted to spread that insanity not that they were necessarily mentally different in some way whether they were more criminally inclined or had some sort of other clinical disability and then that's why they were immune air quotes Mm-hmm. I think, like, it wasn't until I, I heard uh, people complaining about, like, that's the suggestion that, that I was like, oh, I didn't even consider that. I just assumed the reason they were acting the way they did is because they saw the threat and then reacted. They're like that 10%. There's always that 10% or whatever that survives or is mm-hmm. immune or in this case is affected differently. So instead of becoming, it's what Suicidal, made them they yeah, become homicidal. Right. And I thought that was better. It's a conversation that Jess and I actually talked about at length because so Gary shows up and he, within the first few minutes of being there, says that there's this group of people and he says they escaped from an institution and that they're crazy people, basically. I think you as the viewer are supposed to take that as like fact. And then there's another scene at the supermarket where the one, uh, what's his name? I want to say Banana Fingers, but that's not his name. That's that's definitely not his name. He called him Fish Fingers, the Fish Fingers. co-worker was th- that was in the freezer. Yeah, and dude says something about how he's always been a little bit off. So I think they sort of lead you to believe that this is truth, that people that are insane, that when they see the creatures, they respond differently. But I just feel like Gary is Gary is like an unreliable. He's not really a narrator, but he's like the unreliable narrator in this context because he himself turns out to be one of the like the crazies that's trying to force everybody to look at the creature. If we're following by the rules that he set up, is he one of those escaped people or does he not realize that he's been affected the same way? And then also those guys that show up later when Sandra Bullock's off with what's his name and the kids, Tom. they don't necessarily seem like escaped whatevers. Yeah, so they, they, I just they I look feel like, like regular vague. people that are behaving abnormally after. Yeah, I think the whole idea is, is that if they were going to be more than just the select few that are affected differently, the movie did a bad. This this is where the movie did not explain the connection well enough. It dropped a couple hints, mm-hmm. but 
again, it wasn't even really that something consistent or concrete. So why even drop the hints at all unless you're going to give us a little bit more clarity on that? Especially because the Gary character was sort of a sleeper cell. He stayed with them for a bit of time being a regular guy and was able to... so, So if he's supposed to be messed up in the head, he's able to hide it and blend for a little while. It didn't. It didn't work for me. I think... I, I agree. My headcanon that makes me enjoy the movie more, and it's, it's what I just sort of took from the movie while watching it, was that they see the threat, it affects them differently, now they feel compelled to expose as many people as possible and do whatever is necessary for said exposure. And that's why Gary was able to blend, because he knew if he blended then he'd be alright, versus the group we see later when things have really gone to crap and they're more organized or organized to expose you through brute force because they've got mm-hmm. the numbers at that point. But that's that that definitely fell flat for me. And I just wanted to bring it up there because you kept referring to them. And I think that's another point where the audience or the people that have seen this are really just like, no, what was that? Come on. Yeah, it's it's one of the things that I, I do wish they'd explained better in this movie. And it's it, it's possible that it's, you know, maybe there was a deleted scene somewhere that you know hurt the pacing of the film and they took it out but it would have ultimately given us more clarity for those those characters you know all kinds of things go on behind the scenes in these movies right i I don't i'm looking at my list i don't really have any other major points that i didn't like i'd like to point out a couple things then at we've talked about this being a really well-paced movie I, I feel that way for the most part. I'd say, like, they got it 90, 90% right. I think where they sort of lost me a little bit was they start out with Sandra Bullock at what is considered present day, five years into the apocalypse with the two kids. They get in on a boat. I forget about her on the boat with the kids multiple times in this movie because we cut to it so sparingly. And we spend so much time in this five years later kind of seeing this growth. I feel like, and I know that was an important story and that was definitely a major part of the movie, but we needed to like intercut more, I think, between her and the boat. And part of the reason I feel that way is because around the hour and a half mark, I made a note that things were really starting to drag in the five years ago story. It was, at this point, we know where she's going to end up. We know... You know, X will lead to Y to lead to Z. I didn't need them to keep showing us those characters. I know we like them, but it's like I could have done with less. We could have sped that up a bit faster and done more on the boat, done more with the journey down the river and made because I feel like that ended up being the B story, but it was the present day story and it's where the movie ends. And so that sort of that sort of lost me. There was there was like they really liked that that whole five years ago bit in the house where everybody's in the house and learning to associate. And it was good. It was well written. But then sometimes I wonder, mm-hmm. maybe we should have just started there. Because especially, there, there's just so many times where I feel like it was just, I know what's going to happen. It's just so clear. Why are we still dragging this on? Like, it's not about to happen. And I think it even affects the end. Because by the end, I've really started getting critical. Like, okay, they're going to have to make it. I cannot see them killing these two kids or one of these kids or her. It's like, let's just get her there already. Like, this movie is dragged. I feel like I've gotten all the relevant information at this point. It's really just time to get there. And so the big suspenseful moment at the end where they're running through the woods trying to find the compound, they've made it down the river, I'm just sort of like, okay, well, they're going to make it. I I don't see this movie having the cojones (laughs) to kill off a kid. 
we're not going to learn any more about the creature at this point. She's she's having sort of her revelation, I guess, of I, I should have been more like warm and kind to you while also, you know, trying to protect you like and that bit with the daughter. Mm. But the reason that loses me is the kids are basically props in this film for me. They they have no development. They don't even have dialogue for like a whole right. hour. And and I think if we'd have not done as much with the five years ago story and invested a little bit more in her dynamic with the kids at present day, that realization she was having, that whole like, I should have been mm-hmm. more like this, seeing how it affects, you almost see how it affects the kids. At one point going down the river, she talks about these rapids and one person she's going to decide is going to have to look and watch the rapids while they go go down them, which is going to basically put them at at the highest risk of uh, seeing the threat. But that way she can steer Mm -hmm. blindfolded because she's the only one to steer. And she's going to decide, she keeps saying, because the son, which is technically her child, the other, the daughter is the child of the, uh, the other person that was in the house. Well, and, and I want to interject. I think that was something that was really strong in this movie that could have been even stronger is if they delayed longer revealing which one, was her child. Yes. Cause you, you find out pretty early that, you know, there another pregnant woman shows up at the house. So it, it's easy to assume that like, okay, so these two kids five years later, one of them's probably hers. And one of them's probably this other woman's. You're supposed to assume that, you know, that woman's not making it out of there. Right. I'm just saying like, you don't know that for sure, but like you definitely are, are, are led to believe that. Right. And I think had they waited a little longer on that reveal, cause they, they revealed it. They did do a good job. The scene that you're talking about where it's like one of us is going to have to open our eyes and the girl says, I'll do it. I'll be the one to do it. And then she, Sandra Bullock, like Mallory, like looks at the boy and she says, no, I'll be the one to decide. It's soon after that scene that you find out which one of the kids is biologically hers and which one isn't. But it, it certainly would have made it even more, I think, maybe like stressful and exciting had you had to wait a little longer for that information. Well, and even in the the five years ago story, jumps ahead to the beginning, like before the beginning of the movie. But hey, this is them after they've grown up and she's still with, uh, Sandra Bullock's still with Tom. The kids are grown up. We're getting all this stuff and it's like, this is good stuff. Mm-hmm. But again, I know where it's going to go. Tom's not there with them on the boat, so we know Tom's not going to make it. They're going to get on the boat, even though she's arguing about it at this point. It was just... The, the timeline for that, it was it would have been interesting, except I already knew what was going to come because they've already shown me. So I'm just sort of waiting now. Okay, will you get to the next point? And once you get once I get in that mindset, I'm stuck there. So when we get to the end, I'm just sort of like, okay, can we can we either reach the sanctuary or not? I had the same problem. This is also a Sandra Bullock movie. I had the same problem in the movie uh, Gravity. Where I was literally about to say, it's so funny that you're having this issue when I know that you had this issue with another Sandra Bullock movie. <laughs> and that one didn't even give us her backstory. She, we just know she went through a traumatic thing and now she's dealing with it while being in space. But somewhere through issue three of her almost dying in space, I'm like, all right, she's going to get back to Earth or not. But this is just... Let's let's move this along. Like the, at some point, your adrenaline kind of runs out, and you're just sort of like jaded to it all. You're like, "What's happening? Like, 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 get me to the end." And I hate that because I, I overall I love this movie. I mean, you've heard us talk about it for like half an hour. How much that was done right? I just 
man, they really kind of dropped the they really kind of dropped it here. And I think it's because they really wanted to show you the bit where she puts him in the boat because she gives all the rules and really lays down the exposition. And then we have to kind of keep cutting back to that to make it relevant. Mm-hmm. And, and and sort of the things that we see, it was doing it right at first. Like they're going down the river and there's the guy waiting in the river who she knows is crazy, but we don't know they are crazy people yet, you know, or, or you know, the affected. And then we see one later in the flashback and how she learned that but that was it then we, we had no other reason to come back to the boat until it was time to actually get the story that story moving along so we needed to see more of like her life lessons from five years ago applying to the river ride yeah i agree with you and that's that's everything that fell flat for me and honestly i don't want to talk about like i want to fix this movie but i don't want to fix it in the idea that it's broken i think jessa ducci gave us a really good challenge how can we make this stand out we have been comparing this movie to a lot of other movies in ways that it's been better in ways that it's been worse in ways that it's been the same but it, it really does fit a formula it really does kind of just in the end this movie is going to kind of fall into that type and it's not going to be remembered long term what would make this movie stand out and be one that you remember Man, I don't know, because this movie does kind of stand out to me, and I think it's because it's less about this creature and the supernatural side of things, and it's more about her character's story. It's what separates, because I mean, I remember thinking at the end of this movie, when they're running, and she's got the two kids, and she's running through the woods, and how much it reminded me of the end of The Happening when like we used to joke like they're being chased by the wind basically and why it feels different in this movie whereas it felt like comical and sort of stupid in the happening and it's because of it's because of your investment in her and her your investment in her character so i guess if i had to pick something to make this movie stand out more is to maybe just put like even more energy into that it's like you said we we do we do spend a lot of time away from the river and I think had we cut down just a bit of the the flashback and invested more time, it would have been interesting if we had a scene on the river, you know, at night, right? And they're having to, like, try and get some sleep and they're hearing sounds and her having this, like, moment of, like, fear and panic for herself, but maybe seeing a moment in her starting to realize that fear and panic for the kids... And, right. and think about them more than her. So maybe just develop, maybe that's it. Maybe just develop the relationship with the kids more than they already did. Because they did do some. Well, and there was implication that the daughter felt slighted by her. And I would, I would have liked to have seen more of that. When she was talking about making the choice between which kid is going to watch and which kid isn't down the rapids, you could they would keep cutting to the, the daughter's face as if she knew because she wasn't the bio kid that she was going to get picked. And that has she really just been around this whole time as an expendable tool for Mallory to use to take care of her her and her son and at least that's what I was reading into it so I I think that would have been a much more interesting thing to see is her dynamic with the kids and how it wasn't going perfect and how one of them did feel excluded and like you said keep it a mystery about which one's really hers and not so that we assume it's the one and it turns out to be the other 
But because I, I could see Sandra Bullock's character feeling more devotion to the kids she had to promise someone she would take care of yeah. versus the one that's just hers. Like that just kind of fits true to her. Like, OK, well, I did get close to this person. I did make this promise. Now I have to honor that versus she's always been unsure about her own kid. Assume as the audience that it's the one she's sort of being more callous to is the one that isn't hers and and that sort of flip like all of those things but then let me throw one more thing in here along with all of this that i think would make it stand out and you tell me how you feel about this what if they didn't all make it what if she lost one if she lost one of the kids but by the end what if there was an actual consequence because that was the thing that was really losing me at the end there no consequence what if somebody didn't what if one of the kids didn't make it like it'd be a little bit of a harder story it'd be a harder lesson to learn and it wouldn't be awesome but like you wouldn't feel great about it but then you would feel like an actual impact that might stick with you because the movie sets up like all these movies do everyone that's going to die like you get she gets in that house and you say okay all of these people are going to die you even know that because they're not there at the beginning of the movie when it shows her five years later so they're all the expendables. Every single one of them. You're going to get to know them. You're going to get to like them. They're going to kick it. What if the surprise is, is that's not over? There is still consequence. So when she's trying to make it to that compound, one of them actually gets lost or she loses one of them to the threat. And now she's scrambling to hold on to what's left. Yeah. I, so I like what you're saying because you're right. The movie, it's sort of funny to say it lacks stakes when literally almost everybody in the movie dies. But with the kids, it certainly would have given more panic and like urgency. I remember thinking the 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 little segue when she heard the the wind chimes and they pulled off and she told the kids to stay in the boat, stay in the boat, stay in the boat. And she goes in to kind of like look for supplies in the building. The bit it, it was a it was a misdirect and it was a good misdirect where the girl gets out of the boat and she's trying to find Mallory and she's wandering through and she gets kind of snatched backwards. Oh, I knew that was Mallory. Right. I've, I did, too. But how crazy would it have been if it had been a, a misdirect of a misdirect and it wasn't Mallory and we lost the little girl then and we found out later that the little girl was actually her little girl. Like, I, you're right. It's, it's maybe maybe like what we're really saying about all of this is it's a good movie. It's almost maybe even a great movie, but even like raise the stakes a little more. Mm -hmm. I mean, Netflix is taking a chance. Go. Yeah. Go even further. Take a bigger chance and don't just say don't let all of our our kids and the person make it all through. Like, let's have someone not make it be like, oh, my God, can you remember that movie? Jeez. Like, like have the have the bravado to go all the way and really like drive home the consequences. Part of the consequences being her her like super protectiveness, but her also like walling, penalizing to not show them anything. Like that has to be what did it. That has to be what causes the loss. Mm-hmm. And she learns from it, but she learns too late. Now she's got to do better with the one she has left. You know, like old school fable. This is this is how you learned is through loss. Yeah, I like it. I like that a lot because I I went into this thinking like I'm not really sure what I would do to like make this movie better or like, you know, quote unquote, fix this movie. But I think you've really got something there. I think raising the stakes so that things just matter a little bit more so that when we she finally gets to that door with the one kid she has left because she's just it's such a good scene, but she's just yelling like just like just take the kids like just take the kids. That's all I'm asking you to do. And it's, it's a really powerful moment, and I don't want to belittle it, but how much more powerful would it have been 
if she's got the one kid left and it's like it's like her only purpose in life at this point is to mm. save this and she one gets kid. that now yeah. yeah now she gets that she had to she had to lose to learn it and i know you talked about how like everyone dies in this movie just about so there are stakes but but again where she ends up in the beginning of the movie where and then it goes five years later where she ends up in that beginning where they're going up on the boat she's lost nothing i mean when we see her before the the event happens she's a loner she's on her own and she's pregnant so Mm -hmm. she's technically one kid up than she was when all of it started and i know that's i I know that's not everything (laughs) but the point is yeah she didn't like she didn't lose i mean i guess she made connections she lost those connections with people but when, when you see her in the beginning and then you see her at the end she didn't come out any differently except she had one extra kid mm-hmm. so i don't know i just I, w- I would like to see something that really is going to make this like memorable for everybody like long term and not fall into that and that's that's probably not fair i'm sure lots of people remember this i'm not going to forget this movie quickly i was going to say i don't think it's not a memorable movie but if if we're challenging ourselves to make it more memorable I think you've really, really, we keep saying it, the nail on the head, which is so perfect. That's our catchphrase. But I really think that our flashback scenes are strong. They're really strong scenes. They could maybe be trimmed down a little bit. But the the movie, the real movie, the real and true A story is the river journey with the, the two children. And that's where some more time and care could have been taken with the movie. Yes. But, you know, it's, it's an ebb and flow. It's a push and pull. You had a lot of good actors in that mm-hmm. that flashback story and a lot of good moments with them. And I I would hate to see some of it go, but it, it can. Mm-hmm. And it can to develop the main character and the main story more. Because at the end of the day, you knew no one else was coming out of that house. Yeah. I guess technically two of them ran off with the car, and so we don't know what happened to them. But, but that just shows oh, how, yeah. like, you just assume, like, we. I think I've been spending most of this conversation just assuming they died too so that just shows how unaffectual their death is long-term story-wise yeah well you know and the truth is the movie's just shy of two hours they could have put a few more minutes you know you don't even have to delete anything from the current movie if they'd added just a few minutes of development between her and the kids like in the middle of the movie like when you're talking about where we've spent too too long on the flashback that those couple of minutes could have been a game changer in the oh, like tone of this movie. I think you're right. I think that that's where it is. We did it. We we fixed the movie that didn't necessarily need fixing, but I think we fixed it anyways. <laughs> no, yeah. Well, and we've been stressing that it's not about it has to be a terrible movie. It just has to be a movie where things could have fallen flat and this being a controversial one i think was a great one to discuss right now right now with with people wanting more even though you don't really want more but mm-hmm. but still that there is more that could be done and I, I think we've covered that pretty well go us good job yeah. way to go movie fixers we did it. yes <laughs> That said, uh, especially talking about just the fan response to this, I personally think that our movie fixers are smart enough not to attempt the bird box challenge. But just in case, don't put a blindfold on yourself and record yourself running into stuff. You guys have wonderful, beautiful, critically thinking brains that I don't want to see damaged. So I just want to encourage you, just like Netflix, to not walk around with a blindfold on and see what happens. Yeah, our our bird box challenge for you is to not do the bird box challenge. <laughs> well said. Well, Tone, um, I think that about wraps up our fix for bird box. I'm pretty pleased with it. How about you? 
Me too. I'm actually, uh, I'm always happy when we come out of these things and I'm a little surprised at what we come up with. Agreed. Agreed. So where are we headed next with uh, Movie Fixers? Well, I've sort of enjoyed having uh, Jess Aducci and the fans scout out new properties for us, so I don't want to commit to anything just yet. I do want to say we should probably try and get another podcast out in the next few weeks, but if that ends up being a discussion episode, one of our let's talk on broader topics about films, I'm happy to do that. If Jess or the fans come up with like a high demand in the in the now sort of option, or if we just pick something from the past that, that really needs a good fix-in, I'll, I'm happy to discuss sort that out later if you guys are are willing to stick with us and be surprised yeah i think i think a, a another like discussion episode is is definitely warranted soon i think we've got a good one in mind for that too but absolutely if any of the listeners if you have any movies that you want to see us or hear us for that matter <laughs> now i'm imagining all of our listeners blindfolded like in bird box and just listening to our podcast like that anything you want to hear on the show hear us break down and talk about definitely let us know you can contact us as always on facebook at only on tsd also on twitter at only on tsd our website is 30 something spelled out 30 something dot digital uh, you can also email us at contact at only on TSD. A lot of places to reach us, and we'd love to hear from you. That said, I am your host, Tony, my co-host, Matt. Hello. Our, exe- <laughs> our executive producers are Kristen Faith and Hayden Smith. Our property scout slash recap is done by Jess Aducci. And the artwork you see, the thumbnail for the show and any other artwork we do is provided by Nick Aducci. I want a sh- quick thanks to them. They are always wonderful. And of course, a great thanks to all of our listeners. Thank you for participating. Thank you for listening. We're trying to, we're trying, we're always trying to get better at this. And hopefully we'll get there one day where you'll want to like actually recommend us to a friend. But when you get there, make sure to share us and give us a review on iTunes because or Apple Podcasts because that does help get us out there and get us seen by others absolutely and until then uh, stay tuned for the next movie fixtures we'll see uh, we'll see what we have to talk about we'll see you back here real soon bye bye